0: This morning is Dan Woods. Uh, He's back again to share from God's word. He splits his time in the Omaha area at uh, Providence Bible Church as a church administrator and then also helps me with uh, Kingdom Sports. So with that, let's welcome back Dan Woods. All right. Good morning. Are we working? I think it's on. It's 12 degrees out there this morning. Y'all notice? Yeah. Kind of hard to get up, right? It was hard hard for me to get up. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 today. That's where we're at. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7. And I'm going to move this off to the side here a little bit. We're going to talk about the four D's in Mark chapter 7, four D's. So as I read through Mark chapter 7, it's a pretty long chapter. So for us to go through 37 verses in about 25 minutes, um, we're just going to hit four major points is what we're going to look at today. So these are four D's that you can remember because my name starts with D and it's like, what a great, what a great letter. So we're going to have the four D's of Mark chapter 7 today. So we'll read through Mark chapter 7. I'm going to break it down into four different sections and we'll look at each of those four different sections. So I'll just read it for you. I have it on the screen as well. You can follow along. This is in the ESV. It says, Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches, and the Pharisees and the scribes said, asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did the, the, the Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as of as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me; in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your mother and your father. And whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is, given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God. By your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter, but that's the first part. So we're going to look at the first two sections. So, Mark chapter 7, 1 through 13, if you're taking notes, the D word is doctrine. Jesus is going to talk to them about the doctrine, because they're going to talk about tradition. He says, Now the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who have come from Jerusalem. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding the tradition of elders. Now, we know that there are traditions, right? And we know that our tradition, we, we wash our hands, but that really isn't a tradition, especially after COVID. I mean, I got so tired of washing my hands, right? Everybody was washing their hands. We were washing our hands. We were washing stuff off. We were, it was crazy. We were washing everything, right? So it was crazy. So we learned, oh, wash your hands, wash your hands. We've known that since we were little kids. We wash our hands, right? But there are different traditions. There are different cultural traditions. And tradition is the handing down of something. That's the tradition. So these Pharisees, it really wasn't that they were trying to trap Jesus. They just wanted to talk about the traditions. And so we have different traditions, right? Can you think of some traditions? In America, we have this tradition. And it really upset people when some people weren't doing this tradition. And it happened to the NBA and the NFL, you know, the national anthem. People are like, we're going to kneel. We're not going to stand for the national anthem. And, I mean, it made some people pretty angry because that's a tradition, because that's a, a way of honoring our, our country in America and our veterans. We stand up. We either salute if you're in the in the military or you put your hand over your heart. And so that was one of the traditions. There's another tradition. You've probably heard of this tradition where the ladies like um, – um you know they get ready to have the thanksgiving dinner and they've got the big ham and so they're getting the ham ready and the the lady cuts off the end of the ham and sticks it in she cuts off each end of the ham and she sticks it in the in the pan and the the daughter says uh, grandma why do, why do you why do you cut off the end of the ham on each end of the ham and she goes i don't know i've just always done that and she's like well did you ever ask your grandma that no i never asked your grandma so She went to her other grandma and she said, uh, or she said to her, she said to her mom, she goes, do you know why mom, or do we know why, do you know why we do that? We cut the end of the ham off. She goes, "Uh, I did ask uh, my, you know, the other grandma why, why we do that. And she said, "Um, we, we don't know why we do that, but you know why they do that? She was doing that because the, her grandma before that cut the ham off because the end of the ham off, because it didn't fit in the pan. So I don't know if your grandma or your, your mom still does that. They cut. My mom used to do that. She'd cut the end of the ham off and stick it in there. It's like, so does like the juices, like the, the, the moisture go in the end of the ham? No, they were cutting the ham off because it wouldn't fit in the pan. It was just a practical thing. But it became a tradition, so everybody was cutting the ham off. Right. So I have traveled in different countries. I've been to Korea, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, China, been to different traditions. And there is a cultural tradition in Asia that when you go to Asia, uh, they they take you out to different places. You see the sites. That's a tradition. Another tradition is they give you gifts at different times. Right. So Max, you're in here. Where's Max at? Where's Max? Max, where are you at? Max is up there. So I've known Max for a long time, um, since probably eighth grade. He came to a camp when I was at a school in Houston. And and so when Max came this year or last year to the school, he brought me a gift. That's a traditional Asian culture. They bring you a gift. And so he brought me a gift. It was an incredible gift. You should see it. It's like this acrylic glass, heavy glass thing that sits on this thing and has a light underneath it. And the light shines up through the glass. And inside the glass, and I don't mean to embarrass you, Max, but I'm just, this is an amazing tradition. Inside that glass is a picture of my family. A family picture of a family photo. So his mom took a family picture from my social media and she had it put inside this glass. I have no idea. So the light shines through there, and, and you can stand on either side and you can see that picture. It's crazy. i mean just an incredible tradition of giving gifts. So I traveled to Qingdao, China one time, and I met this guy. He was a special ops guy in the military in China. Met him, super nice guy. Met him one time, had dinner with he and his family, his daughter. And uh, I said, You know, I'm coming back in about six months. I would love to see you again. I'll, I'll make sure I'll come to Qingdao and we'll have dinner again. So I go to Qingdao. I mean, I get out of the car. We go to the restaurant. And this guy comes in. He's got this, this jacket. It's got this suit. You know, those, um, what do you call them? You travel with your travel bag with this, you know, that you put your suits in there. He comes in. He's got this thing. He's holding this thing. And he goes, Hey, I have a gift for you. I'm like, You brought me a gift. And he goes, Yeah. And he goes, uh, He opens up the bag and here's this black suit and I'm like wow where'd you get that he goes oh I had it made for you I met you one time how did you have a suit made for you he goes well he goes you know we had a picture taken my wife and I and you know our daughter we had a picture taken the last time you were here and he goes "Uh, I went back to my buddies in the in the military and he said uh, they took my measurements all of my measurements from the photo, they know how big I am. They took all of my measurements and then they transposed you standing beside me and they took all of the arm measurements based on my measurements and they calculated all this out and so we have your measurements and here's your suit and I'm wearing it right now. Fit like a glove, didn't have to make one adjustment to it. That's the kind of tradition that they have in regards to giving gifts. It's very, very special. So I was like, I'm like, I'm going to go back and try that on at the hotel. I tried it on the hotel and it's like, it fit. And I'm like, he did it off of a picture. That's a tradition that they do, those kinds of gifts. It's the handing down of things. But doctrine is different than tradition. Doctrine is scriptural teaching on theological truths. Does that make sense? So, they wanted to talk about these traditions, the washing of hands, and really, it wasn't about, it really was not about being clean. It wasn't about being clean. They were not concerned about being clean. The law of Moses contained no commandment to wash their hands except for the priests. So, it wasn't they were trying to trick him i don't think it basically they were saying why, why do your guys do this why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders but eat with defiled hands they made it sound like we're really worried about these guys getting sick about sanitation but it really wasn't about that they just wanted to talk about their traditions well and then in mark chapter 7 if you go down a little further in chapter in verse uh, 6 it says and he said to them why did isaiah prophesy to you hypocrites as it's written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold through sure the tradition of men. So traditions are good, but when traditions take over doctrine, that's the problem. That's the problem. Because they thought they could gain favor by following these traditions. They basically traded the commandments of God for the tradition of men. And basically, Jesus called them out in Isaiah. Twenty nine thirteen. he basically quoted isaiah 29 13 he says uh, your your lips are far from me or your heart's far from me you you honor me with your lips so let's look at isaiah 1 if you want to turn to isaiah 1 11 through 14 and who's got that for me somebody's going to read that for me right here there we go you want to read that out loud for us thank you what are all the your sacrifices to me asked the lord I have had enough burnt offerings in rams and, have f- and the fat of well-fed cattle, and I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. When you have come to appear before me, who requires this from you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them thank you. Yeah, he was tired of them. Basically he called them out, called them out in Isaiah 29, but then he also called them out in Isaiah 1 through 11, basically. They, he just said, God said, I've had enough of the burnt offerings. I do not delight in the blood of bulls and goats. And he also knew that they were actually using inferior animals. You They're supposed to use the clean animals, the pure animals, um, the undefiled animals, but they were sacrificing animals that were blind or had some sort of malady. And um, he just said, I, I, I'm calling you out on that because you are establishing the traditions of men. And then on if you go down to verse uh, 11, it says, but you say if a man tells his father or his mother whatever would have gained from me as Corbin that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God void by your tradition. So basically, they were also saying, well, um, we can't, we can't uh, take care of our parents because we've given this, uh, we've committed this to, to the Lord. So they were neglecting even their parents because they said, oh, we're, we're doing this, we're going to provide, uh, we're going to give this to the Lord instead. So we called them out on that. So Mark chapter 7, 1 through 13, when you say doctrine, it's the right doctrine. Right. So that's why doctrine's important. That's why you hold up your Bibles, because we say the Bible is the word of God and we're going to stick with the doctrine. We're not going to talk. Uh, we're not going to deal with the tradition of men. In other words, we're not going to follow the tradition of men. And so when we think about tradition, when I think about tradition and, and I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I'm preaching on Mark chapter seven and it's about tradition. And she goes, oh, tradition. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, the right doctrine, God desires our hearts, not our lips, love, worship, fear, serve, and obey. If you're, a, if you're a, a student here, these are the five things. Coming to Nebraska Christian is great, getting a great education, springboarding you to college or to work or to whatever it is you're going to do, but if you come out of, of uh, Nebraska Christian and you can do these five things, these are the five things I, I wanted my kids to do when they came out of school. I wanted them to love the Lord, worship the Lord, fear the Lord, serve the Lord, and obey the Lord. They could read, write, do arithmetic, and all that stuff. To me, that was that was gravy. Because if you do those five things, you're honoring God, God with your heart and not your lips. You do those five things, uh, you, you're gonna do you're gonna do fine, right? You you get persecuted, you're gonna be fine. You're still gonna love Lord, fear Lord, worship. Doesn't matter. You you get arrested for being righteous or whatever it is if you do these different things you're going to get persecuted you do those five things you're going to be fine because god desires our hearts and not our lips so let's talk about tradition and how do we keep our balance that i can tell you in one word tradition because of our traditions we've kept our balance for many many years Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't know. Does that, why, why do you cut the end of the ham off? I, I don't know. It's such a tradition. But you can't, we can't stop there. Traditions, traditions, Traditions. without our traditions our lives would be as shaky as, as as a fiddler on the roof. Okay, if you got anything out today, you at least know that's why they call it the fiddler on the roof, right? Now it's tradition, it's shaky. Okay, it's, it's traditions, traditions. So let's look at Mark chapter 7, 14 through 23. Defiled, D is the defiled word there. And so in, in verse 14, he says, He called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that is going into him that can defile him but the things that come out of the person so the problem's not outside of you the problem is inside of you and you have to remember that Jesus is on his last trek here basically it's a, if you if you look at the map where he's traveling to he's it's a long long journey he's on his last trek with all of the disciples and he's going to be spending all of this time with the disciples as he prepares, as he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die. And so he said, there's nothing outside a person. He calls all the people to him, and he says, here, all of you understand. He's basically saying, this is the doctrine. It's not what's on the outside of you. It's what's on the inside of you. That's the problem. So who's got Jeremiah 7, 9? There we go. Thank you. Seventeen nine. 9. Yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it yeah the heart is very deceitful above all things thank you who can understand it a buddy of mine one time he I was I was traveling with him and he uh we were working on some stuff and he just turned one night and he goes hey Dan he goes I'm just gonna tell you because I just I really appreciate your heart and then he goes no I don't because he your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things You know, and you don't realize that we think we're good people, but basically the heart of man is deceitful above all things. He said, it's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And then in Hebrews 6, 1 through 12, it says, uh, leave behind the washings. And go on to maturity. Some some uh, versions say baptism, but leave behind the washings and move on to maturity. In other words, it's not about washing your hands. It's not about keeping yourself clean and all those things. It's what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And so if you've ever watched a fly, you ever just sit and watch a fly? No, I have better things to do, right? Okay, I have other things I need to do besides watching flies. Well, I'm going to wa- have you watch this, this fly. It's a clean machine because it's cleaning itself. This is what it's cleaning itself. It's actually cleaning its front legs there, cleans its eyes off. Uh, If We go a little further, it's actually cleaning its back legs It rubs them together. That's what they're doing when they're sitting there. They're just cleaning all of the time. It's just gross. They're just cleaning. You see the little specks on the right side, the little white specks? I mean, this thing's dirty. Why is it dirty all the time? So, why is it that why is it when we see flies on our food, we shoo them away? Why do we shoo the flies off of the food? anybody knows? I know why I, I shoo the fly off, off my food, because where do flies usually go land? I mean, I, I grew up in Nebraska. I grew up on the farm. I know where flies land. Where do flies land? poop all the time that's they they go on everything that's dirty but they call them the clean machine because when they're sitting there they're not just sitting around going oh i wonder if i can go and land on something else they're sitting there because they're cleaning themselves off and when you hit them with a fly fly swatter there's a pretty good chance they're doing this and going you just drilled them because they weren't ready to take off again Okay, you caught them when they're cleaning themselves. Otherwise, they're pretty quick, right? But they're cleaning themselves all the time. What they do is flies. Bzz, they land on the bad stuff and they get all dirty and then they come over and then they'll sit and then they'll try to get some of your food. That's why you shoo them away because they're dirty, but they're called the clean machine because they clean themselves all the time. They're defiled. They're going to defiled things and it's on the outside of them, right? But what jesus says is what defiles us is on the inside research shows that flies clean themselves more often when they're in the presence of other flies now i don't know who did this survey or who did this study but they said that when they're watching flies flies actually clean themselves more when they're around other flies it's kind of like you when you're getting ready to go out right you're getting all cleaned up right you know you're going to see other people you kind of check yourself you look in the mirror all that stuff but they're the clean machine but we don't want to be like the flies, right? Because we are defiled from the inside, okay? we are. It's the inside that is the problem. The problem's on the inside. It's not on the outside. And that's what um, Jesus, when he called all these people to him, um, he said, it's, the doctrine is it's on the inside. It's not on the outside, okay? Mark chapter 7, 24 through 30, the D word is dogs, dogs. And this is a verse that, that I've struggled with at times. And from there he arose, and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, you got to remember, he's in Gentile territory now. He's not in the Jewish territory. And he entered a house, and he did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. He didn't want anybody to know, but he's in Gentile territory, and he didn't want people to know. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. So this woman comes to him, and she falls down at his feet. She says, my daughter has an unclean spirit. She's possessed. Uh, she un- uh, things are, are not good. And now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So there's a couple things about her that, that are a problem. So here's Jesus in Gentile territory. This lady comes to him and says, she's a woman. She's a Gentile, Canaanite which is cursed race, Syri-Phoenician, she's Roman, city of Tyre, Jezebel, Baal worship, all these things were rejected by the Jews, and she comes to Jesus. She comes to the teacher and says, my daughter has an unclean spirit, can you uh, make her be healed? So, to the Jews first, and also the Gentiles, and he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Whoa. He said, let the children be fed first. In other words, let the Jews be fed first. You're going to feed your kids first. Like when we have family gatherings, we always let those kids get in there. Those kids are hungry. Let's let's, let's feed those kids. Let's get them fed. Let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's calling her a dog. Yeah. That's a bad day. Right? But think about it. She was Syrophoenician, she was Tyre, Jezebel worship, all of those things. She had all of these strikes against her, and he said, let the children be fed first. In other words, this message of salvation is to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. And he's basically saying, it's for the Jews right now. It's not for everybody else. It's for the Jews right now. And what does she say? She says, basically, I know I'm a dog, and the time for the bread of salvation is for the Gentiles, but I'll take any crumbs you got. She said, feed the kids first, feed the Jews first, salvation for the Jews. You want the Jews to be saved. But she said, if there's any bread that falls off of the, tr- any bread that falls off the table, I'll take it. She said, I just want the crumbs. She goes, I just want that too. I want salvation as well. She goes, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the son of God. I'll take the bread. I'll take any crumbs that you can give, give me. And what does he do? He says, you've got great faith. And he said to her for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child laying in bed and the demon was gone. Boom. He didn't have to go to her house. He didn't even have to go to her house. She was healed. Great faith. All of those strikes against her. Didn't matter the circumstances. Didn't matter her condition. She had amazing faith. She said, "He's the Son of God." So dogs. if you have amazing faith, it doesn't matter your condition or situation or what they call you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a condition, it doesn't matter a situation. It doesn't matter what they call you. If you're a child of the king, you're a child of the king. One time I dropped my kids off, uh, this was years ago at, at school, um, when they were little, and uh, carpool. Pulling up the carpool, my oldest daughter's in the car. Carpool's really long. It's pretty cold outside. <clears throat> all the cars are backed up. Kids are getting out of the car. She gets ready to get out of the car. And I said, no, no, don't get out of the car. She goes, dad, it's okay, I can just walk. I can walk, I'll get out and I'll walk alongside, sidewalk all the way to the front of the school. I said, no, 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 you're not getting out of the car. She goes, dad, I can get out of the car, it's okay. I said, no, I said, look at me. I said, you're a child of the king. You're going to the front door. You're going to the front door. You're a child of the king right? You guys are a child. You're a child of the king. You, you're going to the front door, right? Salvation is given to you as well, right? Have amazing faith. Mark seven thirty one 31 to 37 is duty. Duty. Then he returned from the region of Sire, uh, Tire and went through the through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. So if you look at the map, we don't have time to go through all of that. It's a whole nother. But if you take the map and you see where he's traveling, this is a long distance that he's going. He's going a long ways. In the region of Decapolis, they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epapha, that is, be open. And his ears were open, his tongue was released, he spoke plainly, and Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. This guy can't speak, can't hear. He said, don't tell everybody that I've done this work. And the reason was because he said, that's not the whole story. Because he says, all these people standing around, They think I'm a miracle worker. I'm just the healer. And he goes, that's not the whole story. So he said, don't tell them this story because that's not the whole story. Because he's going to spend time with his disciples and they're going to get the whole story. All right. They're going to get the whole story. And what is the whole story? Go to Luke. Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter nine. Go to Luke chapter nine. So if you look the parallel verses between Mark 7, and you read it in Luke, and you read it in Matthew, and you compare all of these pieces together of the different accounts, but if you look at Luke chapter 9, he tells the disciples the whole story. He tells them the whole story, and this is pretty cool. Because I was like, why wouldn't he tell them? Like, if that's me, and I'm like, dude can hear, dude can speak, go tell everybody. That's it. Just tell them all. But he said, don't tell everybody, because they just see me as a miracle worker and a healer. He said, don't tell everybody until they hear the whole story. Here's the whole story. Luke chapter 9, 21. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell no one, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. That hadn't happened yet. And the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, hadn't happened yet, and on the third day, be raised from the dead. He said, when those things happen, you tell everybody. He said, then you tell everybody. So the duty is, Matthew 28, and I just finished studying Matthew 28, and Jesus came up and he spoke to them disciples. This is after he's risen from the dead, and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, go, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the end of the story. That's the whole story. You got the whole story right there. So he takes these guys on this big trip all the way up, does all of those things, teaches all the disciples. They come back down, goes into Jerusalem. He's crucified, buried, raised on the third day, appears to the disciples, and he comes and he says, and he came to them and he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and he said go you've got the end of the story now so go so the duty of mark chapter 7 is go that's it go so if you got the right doctrine you have the right doctrine you realize that you're defiled we're defiled it's not what's on the outside it's on the inside you realize that we can have amazing faith, no matter what the condition is. Calls dogs, calls whatever you want. I've been called a lot of things, but it doesn't matter. Our duty is to go. So there's Mark chapter seven. Go. So now it's time to go, and we're living in a world like I appreciate the psalm that was read this morning because, yeah, the all of these things, the people rage, the mountains, all of those things, all that stuff happens. We are in some turbulent times, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we know the story. And now Jesus says all authority has been given to him, heaven and earth, and he tells his disciples, go and make disciples. And that's what we're to do, go and make disciples. So that's a challenge for you today. Father, we're grateful for today. We love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Mark chapter 7. Thank you for the faith of the woman who was called the dog. We pray that um, you would just continue to help us in all of these things. We thank you for uh, just the, um, the disciples, for them going, and for us to be able to take that message as well, Father, the story of Christ and what he's done for us and for others. Father, help us. Give us courage. Give us boldness in this time that we're living in. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.